Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. This Friday, the Cardinals kick off their season by hosting the Pirates at Bush Stadium. It won't be your typical home opener, and not just because it's July. The stands will be nearly empty. The roar of the crowd will be piped in by sound engineers using audio from past games. And the players? They might be wearing masks. It's definitely a whole new ball game. And here to give us a preview of what to expect is Derek Gould. He's the lead baseball beat writer for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Derek, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. So, so much of this season is going to be weird, and the timing is a big part of that. Have the Cardinals ever had an opening day this late before? No. I I mean, baseball's gone, what, nearly 130-plus years without playing games around this time. So it's uh, it's been a long time since there was a, you know, a Memorial Day without baseball. It's been a long time since there was a Mother's Day, a Father's Day, a Flag Day, a July 4th without baseball. And yet here we are, you know, they've been pushed back. There, there's been work stoppages in the past, but one of those split a season in half and the other one didn't delay this, didn't delay the season that long. It just ended up canceling the World Series. Hmm. Well, so obviously the coronavirus is the big factor here, but what were some of the other factors that pushed us back into late July? Well, I mean, it is all coronavirus related, um, but it's it's the influence it also had or the impact it also had on finances and the revenue that teams are generating. You know, the uh, there was a squabble, obviously, that was very public between the players' union and the owners, and there is still going to be a grievance ahead. The, the players expect, are expected to file one. They, have, they still have a window to do so because they'll argue that they could have played more games. Well, mm. the owners countered that they couldn't play more games and paid the players their prorated salary based on that schedule. What they could afford was a 60-game schedule. And so they went back and forth and back and forth. And, you know, the root of it was the fact that uh, you couldn't sell tickets. There was no guarantee that you could have any fans in there. And so teams are looking at a net revenue loss um, when it comes to ticket sales. And their argument was that they couldn't support the same salaries for like a 100-game season. Um, the sweet spot that they found was 60 games. The players are going to argue that they, you know, kind of negotiated to a point where there were only 60 games left or enough mm-hmm. time for 60 games left that they kind of rigged the the negotiations so that the time ran out and mm-hmm. the players eventually didn't agree at all. Um, what they did agree to was a March agreement, and that allowed the commissioner to impose a 60-game schedule, and the players will eventually argue that it was done in, in poor faith. It's interesting. We see unions representing workers in other fields who've been arguing it's it's not safe for people to go back to work or they've been trying to, to get people to be able to not do their jobs. Here, the mm-hmm. baseball players all wanted to come back. Well, yeah. they. Well, I don't know about all because we've had some opt-out. There have been some players who have taken the voluntary opt-out. Um, there are two opt-outs for each player. One is that they they can take a voluntary opt-out and they don't get paid and they don't get service time for this year if the season is completed. That's a a big if, Mm -hmm. if the season is completed. Um, The other opt-out is for pre-existing conditions or health concerns. Uh, The Cardinals' closer, Jordan Hicks, young Jordan Hicks, he took that opt-out. So he will get paid and he will get service time for this season. Um, But what the players, so part of the negotiations, and Andrew Miller, uh, Cardinals reliever was heavily involved in this. He serves on an executive subcommittee that is involved in the negotiations on these deals and the conversations on these deals. And through this whole process, one of the things that he really stressed to me, and I, I believe he stressed to anybody who would listen, 
was that a, a return to play was not just a financial plan. It was also a health plan. Hmm. And they wanted to see that in writing. And Major League Baseball and the Players Union negotiated that aspect of it, too, um, how often they would be tested, what kind of tests would be available, who those tests would be available to, what people would be in contact with players, where would players be able to go, what kind of policies will be in place for players at home, what kind of policies will be in place for players on the road. All of these things are spelled out in a document that you know I, I have here, and I believe the one that I have is 113 pages long, Whoa. but it's grown since then. It's a living document, as they call it. That's it has to evolve with the you know the the responses to the virus because local policies are going to change. Already, baseball has been thrown a curve, if you'll permit my terrible pun, because <laughs> Toronto has not is not going to allow the Blue Jays to play in Toronto. So. The uh, Major League Baseball has had to find a new home for Toronto to make this season happen. Hmm. Well, on Friday, uh, St. Louis Public Radio newscaster talked to Cardinals President Bill DeWitt III, and here's what Bill told him is his biggest concern heading into the season. I guess the biggest is just the unknown and the fear that some combination of events could halt the whole thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, maybe a giant outbreak um of with a few teams where you you know you you need all these all 30 teams to play to have a legitimate regular season and then the postseason after that so uh, i guess it would be some sort of breakdown in the bubble that we're creating that would um you know make it not possible to play and that's cardinals president bill dewitt III. how much of of that idea of having to just cancel this season is on the minds of people within the organization right now yeah, I think it's on the minds of everybody around baseball. Um, you know, players have even brought it up that, you know, it's no guarantee that there is going to be a season. They can do everything possible, uh, you know, but event- eventually, you know, it's it's going to be the actions of some individuals. It's going to be the actions of the group, um, you know, and, you know, to be honest, as one of the players recently said, it's going to take a little luck hmm. to pull this off. I really think if they're able to do that, I mean, you're talking about, you know, I think I described it in the in the paper, something like a 5,700-foot beast moving around the country trying to avoid the landmines of coronavirus. I mean, if the if Major League Baseball pulls this off, it is a remarkable feat of human cooperation because one of the things that, you know, like he's referencing there and that it, we've kind of touched on with the negotiations is the players did want a big say in policing themselves and hmm. setting up local policies. And so within the manual that all the teams are following – there are strict rules for teams on the road because baseball wanted to go on the road. They they didn't want to be in the bubble like the NBA did in Orlando. They didn't want to have the hub cities, though that was really explored and discussed a lot, um, the possible hub city program that the NHL has. They felt it was important to go into the city. They wanted to be part of the revitalization, the reopening, the the, the invigorating of the city because baseball draws its identity from its communities in ways that are both historic and important. Mm -hmm. And they felt it was important to be there. Along those lines, though, players wanted the power to police themselves at home. They wanted to be able to set guidelines that were reflective of the cities in which they live and, you know, what the virus is doing there, what local policies were, but also the commitment from their teammates to not stray from those policies. And again, if they pull it off, this is a feat of remarkable dedication and discipline from the players and just everybody around the ballpark cooperating in ways that, to be honest, in the last year, we haven't really seen a lot of cooperation in our, in our, in our culture. So 
this is a it's it would be fantastic if they pull it off. Yeah, if baseball can do this, it will be something that America has not yet shown itself capable of doing. Um, but you know, I think we're all rooting for them at this point. Um, what are some of the big changes that you see uh, that will affect things uh, from the fan point of view in terms of some of the things that have had to change to make this a, a safe bubble? Well, the biggest one for you know the the city that calls you know the 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 National League team that has won the most pennants, um, that has won the most championships, um, that is the Yankees of the NL, is the DH. Mm -hmm. Um, The designated hitter is coming to St. Louis. There will be a designated hitter in the Cardinals lineup on Friday. Um, It's painful to hear. Yeah, the universal DH is here. Um, It is probably here to stay. If not um, here to stay for 2021, then get ready for it in 2022. Um, it really looks inevitable at this point. So uh, pitchers hitting is not necessarily over. Um, the Cardinals do have a guy named Adam Wainwright who they could turn to in some games. Um, but we're not going to see those long games anymore either because uh, of another twist to the rules, and that is extra innings will start with a runner on second base, something of a ghost runner if we can go back to the playground, although that there actually be somebody there. And that's made to um, expedite the ending of extra inning games. They, they don't want teams lingering into the 15th, 16th, 18th, 19th inning anymore. Um, they don't want the strain on the roster. They don't want the, the time spent at the ballpark and we'll see if that carries over. Um, you know, it makes sense for this season, but it might not be palatable for seasons to come. Well, it's it's good to know that they may pull back on some of this. I feel like baseball purists must just be ready to riot over some of these changes. Um, but obviously, there's there's bigger concerns in our society. Perhaps we we shouldn't all go crazy. Um, but but Derek, in our last few minutes here, you had mm-hmm. mentioned uh, baseball is going to be one of the few professional sports that's going to be traveling for these games. Are you going to be traveling with the team? I do not. I do not travel with the team per se. I will be traveling to cover them. I. Uh, I will be. Um, I'm, I have uh, been approved for credentials on the road um, for the series so far. Um, you know, in conversation with the media relations up there, and uh, Major League Baseball has allowed for road credentials to be issued as long as local policies are are followed. Um, so yeah, I will be going on the road. The, the team will travel by charter, and they will move their bubble in place. I'll have a little personal bubble. I'll be driving everywhere oh, wow. um, to try to pull this off. Um, but that means that I can be in control. And uh, and there are some policies where if you fly, you have to quarantine. And that's just not going to work with the schedule. So, um, yeah, so I, uh, I'm, I am with the, uh, with the support of the newspaper and the, and, the, and the fact that our subscribers expect this kind of baseball coverage from the paper and history – as a tailwind that I don't know if the Cardinals have ever gone somewhere that the post-dispatch has not. Hmm. So I don't want to be the first that that happens to. So I'm going to do whatever I can and follow whatever rules and take care of every protocol to make that possible. Putting in a lot of time on the road. Um, so hopefully this team will prove worthy of the effort. I know you've predicted them to win the Central Division. Uh, is there a chance they could go all the way this year? You know, it's, it's really an unknown. They have great pitching. Um, and that's always been my rule of thumb when uh, we do the predictions, which are usually wrong the moment they come out of your mouth. Um, <laughs> but uh, but they have great pitching. They have great pitching depth. And my rule of thumb with prediction is always follow the pitching and maybe for the wild card, find a team that might get hot. The Reds are real. The Reds are really good. The Reds also have good pitching, and they have a thunderous lineup that the Cardinals do not. Um, but the Cardinals have greater pitching depth than anybody in their division. That's going to help them over 60 games. I don't know how that plays 
over five games, over seven games. Um, we saw it get them to the NLCS last year, and then the offense vanished historically so uh, against the eventual World Series champs. So I, I still think that the, the Cardinals are not in that elite class like, say, the Dodgers. Um, but they have the potential to get hot, and anything can happen in the playoffs, um, especially when you have your bedrock that is strong, deep pitching. Well, this could be quite a year, um, whether it goes all the way and whether the team goes all the way. I think we're all going to be breathlessly hanging on your coverage. So you'll have a lot of readers who maybe don't even normally pay attention to baseball. They're going to be riveted by every word. So well, that's good. That's, that's a good challenge. And I have to keep them for seasons to come. So that's yeah, right. Thank you for putting it there. I'll, I'll do my best. And we know you can do it. So uh, Derek Gould of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. Happy opening day, finally. Yes, and good luck out there on the road. Thanks. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. That's 90.7 KWMU. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.